Gary Lassen is here, the author of A Tour de Farce, The Complete History of the Three Stooges on the Road. Hey, Gary. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> hey, I don't usually do impersonations, but hearing that opening theme, I'm so, so pumped. I guess I uh, got in touch with my inner stooge. I love that. Now, this book, oh, let me ask you a question. Since it's Mother's Day, a different question that just comes to mind. Why is it that in theory, I say this theory is not true. In theory, women just don't like the Three Stooges. But I bet 312-981-7200, you can call or text if you happen to be of the female persuasion and love the Stooges. I bet there are many women who do. Why Why is that the case, do you think? Uh, there's plenty of female fans, but clearly they're outnumbered. They're just outnumbered. Uh, it always comes back to why would a woman find the Stooges attractive? They're not good-looking guys. They don't have steady jobs. They have bad table manners. <laughs> that, that's it right there. <laughs> and they may throw a pie in your face. Seven, yeah, they didn't, yeah. Know that pies, they didn't know pies were for eating. <laughs> 764 pages. It is a Bible filled with, I don't know, you'll tell me, but I'm guessing well over a 1,000 images where did you get these images from, and what gave you the idea to write what is the most incredibly comprehensive Stooge book that I've ever seen? Well, I've been collecting the images for uh, 30 or 40 years, and the impetus for the book was quite simply there's a void in Three Stooges history. Nobody kept track of uh, all the places they went over the years. Most people know the students from their films, uh, but truth be told, those films only took three or four days to make. They made eight of them a year, so they were only in front of the cameras for maybe 30 days out of the year. They were on the road for four, six, five, six months a year, and no one ever kept track of the places they went. So that was the motivation for this book. And when they came to Chicago at one point in time, that was in 1959, they came to Chicago lots of different years. But in that particular year, they came for six different Chicago theaters, and they also did what was the Fran Allison show on television, uh, the Congress Theater, Granada Theater, Gateway Theater, Uptown Theater, Tivoli Theater, and Marlboro Theater. I don't even know all of those theaters. How did they do that in just a couple days? Well, that that uh, that was the time that had a Life magazine photographer that was trailing them for about a month for a feature story that never appeared. Uh, and they stayed in Chicago for several weeks while this photographer followed them about their business. But uh, the main theater that the Stooges appeared in in Chicago all those years was the Oriental Theater, which I believe still exists yes. as the, the Net Peterlander Theater. Yes, yes, absolutely right. Yes, uh, uh, played there more than more than any other theater. They loved playing in Chicago, uh, and they played surrounding areas too. You know, they played in Rockford and Joliet and uh, Hillside and you know some of the surrounding suburbs. They made it, over the years. They made a number of appearances. Uh, in the area. They played there a lot. And, uh, of course, the Stooges have been on the air in Chicago since, what, like the 1850s? <laughs> so there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of Stooges fans there in Chicago. Indeed. Marianne is one of them. Hi, Marianne. You're on WGN. Hi, guys. How you doing? Good, good. Tell me about why you are a Three Stooges fan. How could you not be? Of course. <laughs> Do you have a favorite episode or something you especially loved? About the I think the ones where they got scared, like when the, the bird went in the turkey and hopped around the kitchen. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> and then, and then they, they accidentally ate a, a, 
oven mitt and it had feathers and he was coughing up feathers. <laughs> like that, and, yes. And who can ever outdo Mo Larry the Cheese? Mo Larry the Cheese. I love it. I love and tickling the fact- him with the feather when he smelt that wild hyacinth or whatever. Do you still catch them on? Uh, we got a real fan here. Yeah, I have to say, yeah, we have a real fan. Yeah, I don't even recall that last example. <laughs> oh, you know, okay. Well, I'm 70 years old. My mother always claimed she never let me watch the Three Stooges because they were violent. And I said, "Well, I guess you're not around a lot, and Daddy is because I know every episode by heart." <laughs> Wow. That's but, but even as a kid, even kids knew that it was cartoon violence and oh, it wasn't real. Oh, no. I would disagree with that. And I have a story to tell you, Gary. Marianne, thank you so much. Happy Mother's Day to hey, you. Uh, one word on that. Yes. Mo got his ribs busted in real life doing one of the stunts and carried on with the rest of the episode. Really? Well, I bet there were other. Thank you so much, Marianne. She is totally, she may write the next book. You might have competition there. Good so, for her. Yeah, I know. I know. Did they often, did they ever get hurt on stage when they did what they did? And what was the stage show like? Well, the stage show was nothing like the, the films because, remember, they didn't have any special effects. Uh, they were very minimal sound effects. They didn't have sets to work with. There were no supporting players to bounce off of. So uh, it was a very bare-bones type of act. A lot of it was just called patter, which was just back and forth between the Stooges. They had a routine of maybe 50 jokes that they did in random order, the same jokes, but not the same order every night. And uh, Mo would lead, and uh, Larry and Curly or Curly Joe or whoever the third Stooge was at the time would just follow along. Well, there were actually, by my count, uh, one, two, three, four, five, five Stooges, Larry, Curly, and Mo. Shemp came well, along later, and then there was Curly Joe. Am I missing any? Well, no, there was always Mo and Larry, so you had those two constants. And then there were four different individuals who played the so-called third stooge. There was Shemp, Curly, uh, Joe Besser, and Joe Dorita. Those were the four individuals that were the so-called third stooge. Tell the story as to how the third stooge changed and changed and changed yet again. Uh, well, through a variety of circumstances and happenstances, uh, Shemp was the original third stooge. Uh, he left to go for a solo career and was replaced by Curly, who was his younger brother. Curly became ill, couldn't perform anymore, so Shemp came back. And then Shemp died, so he was replaced with Joe Besser. Joe Besser's wife became ill, he couldn't travel with him, so he was replaced by Joe Dorita. And that's basically the quick version of the chronology. You know, you said that you don't think that people really took that violence seriously. I'll tell you a story. There's a broadcaster, and this is a true story. There's a broadcaster who I grew up with, who's on WGN television, a very well-respected political commentator, a very old political commentator who rang my doorbell. We were neighbors. We grew up together. I don't know how old we were, maybe seven years old, maybe not even. I don't know. But I do remember this. The doorbell rang. There he was at the door. He hits me over the head with a hammer and just walks away. And my mom calls his mom and said, what was that all about? So she asked her son, Paul Lisnick, why did you hit Steve Dale over the head with a hammer? And he said something like, well, if the Three Stooges can do it, I can do it. Or something to that effect. So it wasn't completely innocuous, I I think. But then the two of you are still friends to this day, aren't you? More or less. (laughs) Because <laughs> he knocked some sense into you. 
Well, that's not an easy thing to do. That is for sure. I want to hear some of the more, because you have all this nostalgia, all of these trivia notes from when they were on the road. We're going to hear some of those. And yeah, always, we'd love to hear from you. 312-981-7200. Celebrating Mother's Day with the Three Stooges. On WGN. B A Bay, B E B, B I Bicky by B O Bo, Bicky by Bo, B U Boo, Bicky by Bo Boo. C A C, C E C, C I Sicky Sai, C O So, Sicky Sai, So, C U Su, Sicky Sai, So Su. Get the idea, girls? We really should go through the entire alphabet, but we don't have time for that. He wrote the book, the book, A Tour de Farce, The Complete History. Of the Three Stooges on the Road, Gary Lassen. It is a complete history. 764 pages of photographs and also trivia notes. For example, Curly loved dogs. And sometimes you wrote, he would travel on the road with some adopted dog or some stray dog he would find. Is that right? Uh, yeah, crazily. I mean, one of the great stories in the book is uh, they were out on a six-month road trip, and three months into it, Curly decides he's going to buy a puppy and take it on the road with three months to go and stay in a hotel constantly with a, a, a puppy that's not housebroken. So what he does is he buys a deck of playing cards, and if the dog does his business, he scoops it up with a playing card and throws it out the nearest window. So Mo and Larry were waiting for Curly to go to dinner one night, and he's not showing up. He's not showing up, so they go without him. And Larry says, well, Curly's been here already. Mo (laughs) says, how do you know? Larry points to the ground and says, there's an ace of spades with doggy do all over it. So, (laughs) (laughs) What are some of the other stories that you might tell? Also, along with that to kind of prompt you, they did any opening they were asked to do. Uh, theater, not only theaters, but shopping centers, department stores. Yeah, they, uh, they did all kinds of venues. I mean, the variety of types of venues that they did, like not just movie theaters and carnivals and circuses and military bases, hospitals, uh, you know, boxing arenas. Uh, they would they would perform anywhere, and they were sort of tireless performers too. They didn't just go out on the road and you know do a show and then take three days off to another show. They were doing three, four, five shows a day, night after night after night for months. Uh, you know, it was uh, they were they went on the road and they worked. They were out there to work, and that's what they were used to doing, and they enjoyed doing it. That's why they did it for for fifty plus years. I, I I want a better sense of what these shows were like. So they weren't like watching the shorts or the movies with the Three Stooges. There wasn't the kind of physical interaction. They just no. Kind of- there was a lot of, it was it was called patter. It was back and forth, and you know what it was? It was very corny, sort of like. Hokum, like a hokum is just the only word that comes to mind. And it changed very little from the 1920s up to the 1950s. It would be like, you know, what's your name? George Washington. Oh, are you the one that cut down the cherry tree? Nah, I ain't worked in a year and a half. Slap. <laughs> oh. And they knew what's exactly where the laughs were because no matter where they went, well, it was pretty much the same same stuff. Yeah. What, have you ever heard of Abraham Lincoln? Nice to meet you, stranger. Slap. Uh, you know, they would do like all kinds of, of Corny, corny stuff that, uh, and it was never in the same order, but they would do the same jokes, and Mo would would lead, and the others would follow. They would just follow in. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned the Marlboro Theater earlier, and Andy, you were actually, this is amazing, you were actually there? 
Yes, I was. Steve, Gary, good afternoon to both of you. I'm interested in everything you're saying so far, but uh, I I was uh, born in 51, so I was only eight years old at the time. The Marlboro Theater was uh, about 40, maybe 4100 West Madison Street on the west side of the Chicago. It was a huge theater, double balcony, the only one that had a, a, a larger seating capacity in the city of Chicago was the Uptown, which still stands, but yes. it's not in use. The Marlboro was demolished in 1963, just a few years after the Stooges made their appearance there. My recollection of being in the audience for that was I don't want, this isn't the three, you didn't hear anything. You know, you mentioned, Gary, that there was no sound effects, you know, involved as there are in all of the movies. And when they're slapping each, you don't hear anything when you hit them on the head. You don't hear anything. There's a different effect. So it was very disappointing seeing, you know, and not hearing uh, that stuff. But, but, uh, and their, their, their performance there and at those other seven or eight theaters in the Chicago area that you mentioned, it was kind of tied in with they had a new feature-length film that came out that year uh, mm-hmm. in 1959 called Have Rocket Will Travel. They weren't getting any residuals, I don't think, from the from the old Columbia films. I mean, they had all this popularity, and, and they weren't seeing anything in their pocket. And so they signed a new movie contract with Curly Joe, which was a big difference because he, he was nowhere near – you know uh, what Kurt, what the original uh, Jerry Curly uh, uh, Howard was, or even Shemp. I mean, he just wasn't as uh, effective in the act. Anyway, th- those are my uh, thoughts about it. And, uh, and and as a matter of fact, you know, there was a show on WGN predating Bozo that was called Lunchtime Little Theater. And when the Stooges came to town to make their theater rounds, they were on that show. Uh, one day, you know, the, uh, promoting their movie. They're promoting their movie. They did a little bit of their, uh, you know, on stage stick uh, on lunchtime little theater, and I have a recollection of that too. Andy, um, you clearly, yeah. clearly are a fan. You know, I well, mean, I'm a Three Stooges fan, yeah, and uh, it's amazing. I mean, they're not, they don't overwhelm my life or anything like that, but I've always enjoyed them. And, you know, and, and Gary, I'm sure, would uh, testify to this that when. When those movies came out, those were for basically adult audiences in the theaters, those, those uh, shorts. And when they marketed them on television back in about 1959 or so, uh, and WGN uh, purchased that, uh, the, the, the rights to show them here, um, they, you know, that, that was strictly for kids, after yep. school kind of yep. stuff. Andy, and, uh, there was Andy. A, there was a gentleman on WGM named Carl Grayson. Yes. Who was a very well-respected <laughs> news broadcaster. He was the host. He was the original host of the Three Stooges show. They really? had with a chimpanzee on WGN-TV after school, and uh, he didn't like that at all, I don't think. Well, Andy, I thank you very much for remembering all this. Clearly... If there's an opening at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, you should fill that gig. You know this stuff. Thank you so much. Thanks, Andy. Gary? Gary? Yep. Yeah. So we have about yeah, two. One thing I Go to clarify was they did have a backstage sound man, but he only had a very limited number of sound effects. He couldn't do a slap, but he had like a bass drum. So if there was a punch in the stomach, he could simulate that. Or he had a, a, a ratchet that could simulate a hair pull or a ear twist. 
So they did have some minimal sound effects that they could provide during the live shows, but nothing like uh, during the film. So there was no slap sound effect. What interested you in the Three Stooges in the first place? Uh, I guess because they were human cartoons. You know, the the laws of the real universe didn't apply to the Stooges universe. I thought that was fascinating. Um, You know, an explosion could go off and and their clothes were all tattered, but their bodies were fine. Uh, (laughs) uh, If a gun was shot up into the air, it would always hit a duck or a geese, no matter what, no matter where it was pointed. Uh, You know, just... uh, you know, a character could get knocked out cold and then just pour water on him, and he was he's, uh, he's conscious again. And and the other thing that I enjoyed is, well, a lot of the humor seemed to be for kids. What they said was often adult humor, and the way in which they said it. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of clever wordplay that was over our heads as children. And, uh, of course, rewatching them, you know, over and over all these years, you pick up on stuff that you clearly, you know, you didn't get the first time around. And there was also some topical stuff that was funny in the thirties and forties, but goes over our heads today. We don't know what, you know, we don't know what they're talking about. And it's, it's just not funny because, you know, the people they were referring to, no one knows who they are now. Yeah. So, uh, you mentioned their addiction, if you will, to performing. And even as they got older, Larry already had a stroke, but he kept performing uh, to any audience, any audience he could find, even those who lived in the senior citizen center that he lived in, the home for retired actors or whatever it was called. Yeah. And and Mo kept performing, appearing on talk shows as well as live yeah. audiences. They kept going. Yeah. This seems to be a very common thing with athletes and entertainers is that they don't know when to stop sometimes. And not that they don't know when to stop. They can't stop. That's all they know. That's all they know how to do. Uh, and that's what they're happy doing. And so sometimes they, you know, maybe with athletes, they overstay their welcome past their prime and whatever. But enter- and entertainers, they just, that's what they have in their blood. They like doing it. They don't know anything else. And I think that's, that's what it was with the Stooges. They left home at, but they all left home at early ages to become performers. So, the name of the book is called A Tour de Farce, The Complete History of the Three Stooges on the Road. Gary, how can people get the book? Uh, the book has its own website, which is tourdefarce.net, T-O-U-R-D-E-F-A-R-C-E, tourdefarce.net. has all the information about the book and can order it with a credit card or PayPal. And uh, I certainly thank you so much for having me on your show. Certainly. A Tour de Farce is the name of the book, tourdefarce.net, tourdefarce.net. Gary Lassen, thank you.